Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, ever merciful. All distinguished guests, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessing of Allah be upon you all. Firstly, I would like to thank all of you for joining us this evening. Rather than being a worldly event, this is a purely religious function hosted by an Islamic community. And so your particip participation is a testament to your open hearts, tolerance, and broad-mindedness. Thus, I am sincerely grateful to you all for joining us as we mark and celebrate the inauguration of our new mosque here in Zion. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community was established in this city several decades ago, but we did not previously have a proper mosque in which to worship. Hence, today, in a means of great happiness and significance for our community, Indeed, it is vitally important for all religious communities to have places of worship where their members can congregate to worship. In terms of Islam, we believe that having a mosque affords two overarching benefits. Firstly, it establishes, uh, it uh, enables Muslims to join together to worship God Almighty and to fulfill their religious duties and obligations to their faith. Islam instructs Muslims to worship five times daily. In addition, the second great benefit of building a mosque is that it serves to introduce Islam and its teachings to the wider community. If those who worship in the mosque earnestly strive to reflect and represent Islam's teachings, it will naturally stir a curiosity and an interest in Islam amongst the local people. Their knowledge and understanding of Islam will increase, and any fears or concerns they harbor will, God willing, dissipate upon seeing Muslims living peacefully amongst them and contributing positively to society. So it is to fulfill these twin objectives that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community builds mosques worldwide. Moving on, some of you may wonder 
what distinguishes Ahmadi Muslims from other Muslims. In this regard, according to a great prophecy in the Holy Quran, and as foretold by the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, it was just destined that as the centuries passed by, Muslims would gradually move away from uh, true Islamic principles. Eventually, the majority would abandon its teachings and be Muslims in name only. At the same time, Allah the Almighty and the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, gave the glad tidings that at a time of such spiritual decay, God Almighty would send a promised reformer to revive and rejuvenate the original teachings of Islam, and he would bear the title of the Messiah of Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. That Messiah would proclaim that Islam's teachings were of peace, love, and harmony. He would urge all people to live together peacefully and to forge ties of mutual love and affection, irrespective of their different religious beliefs. As Ahmadi Muslims, we have firm conviction that the founder of our community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, peace be upon him, was that very promised Messiah and reformer who was foretold of in the Holy Quran and in the prophecy of the Holy Prophets of Islam. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. During his life, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community instructed his followers to convey the message of Islam by acting upon its teachings of love, benevolence, and sympathy for all people and to win the hearts and minds of mankind. Indeed, the Prophet Messiah proclaimed that he would convey the teachings of Islam whilst walking upon spiritual footsteps of the Messiah of Moses, the Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. Thus, like Prophet Jesus, the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, exhibited sympathy and compassion for mankind. His every word and deed were for the sake of peace and to cultivate a spirit of reconciliation in society. He reminded his followers that the very meaning of Islam is peace and security, and that following his advent, Islam would return to its spiritual roots and would one day be recognized the world over as a religion of love, tolerance, peace, and harmony. The Prophet Messiah explained, according to the teachings of the Holy Quran, that the wars in early Islam were entirely defensive in nature and fought in response to the gravest possible persecution. Never once during the blessed era of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, or in the time of 
his four rightly guided successor did Muslim armies initiate warfare or inflict cruelties or injustice of any kind. Rather, any wars and battles they partook in were fought to end all forms of inhumanity and oppression. In the modern era, whilst geopolitical conflicts continued to wreak havoc and destruction in the world, the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, said that religious wars had ended. Hence, there was no justification for Muslims or the people of any faith to fight in the name of religion. Thus, let it be crystal clear that the objective of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is not to conquer lands, seize territories, overcome cities, or vanquish nations, nor in those lands or nations where our teachings and beliefs have been accepted in large numbers, have we ever asserted a desire to gain political power or worldly influence. <coughs> our only mission and our sole aspiration is to win the hearts of mankind through love and to bring people closer to God Almighty. So they become true worshippers of him and fulfill the rights of one another. In, in a beautiful couplet, the Prophet Messiah affirmed that he had no desire for any political power or worldly status. He wrote, what can I have do with any country? For my country is distinct from all others. What can I have to do with any, co uh, any crown? For my crown lies solely in the player of my beloved. This complete indifference to worldly or political powers has remained the hallmark of the Omni Muslim community ever since its inception and will continue to remain so in the future. We only yearn to convey Islam's teachings of love and peace as we have for more than 130 years. And with the grace and mercy of Allah, many thousands of people join our community from, from all around the world each year. We have no grievance, quarrel, or enmity with any person or any religion. As for those who stand against God Almighty or seek to destroy his religion, our answer will never be to take up arms or initiate violence of any kind. To the contrary, our only response will be to bow before Allah, the Almighty, in all humility. Our only weapon is prayer, and we are certain that Allah listens to our supplications. Indeed, the 133 years history of our community bears witness to this fact. 
regarding freedom of belief and freedom of conscience, we firmly believe that religion and belief is a personal matter and it is for each person to choose their own path. Ours is not a new position that we have assumed belatedly. Rather, it is based entirely upon the original teachings of the Holy Quran. As I am sure you will be aware recently, the British monarch Queen Elizabeth II passed away and her son King Charles III has succeeded her. In the United Kingdom, one of the official titles of the monarch is Defender of the Faith. On various occasions, King Charles has expressed his respect for all religions. He has also expressed his desire to be known as the defender of all faiths as opposed to the defender of the faith. This statement is undoubtedly praiseworthy and demonstrates the broad-minded nature and inclusive approach of King Charles. However, upon his ascension to the throne, some commentators speculated that such a modification to the language would not be universally welcomed within the Christian community or indeed by some non-Christians. One headline stated that the king's desire to defend and promote all faiths may prove to be wishful thinking, while some may consider such efforts to foster religious harmony or futile or, or wishful thinking in my view. Defending all religious and establishing true freedom of religion and belief is in reality the foundation for establishing peace, establishing peace in the world. In this regard, I also commend the United States government for establishing under the auspices of the State Department, the Office of International Religious Freedom, which now hosts an annual international summit to promote global religious freedom. In terms of establishing world peace, a momentous and groundbreaking principle ensuring universal religious freedom is enshrined in chapter 22, verse 4041 of the Holy Quran. In the verses, Allah the Almighty states, permission to fight is given to those against whom war is made because they have been wronged and Allah indeed has the power to help them. Those who have been driven out from their homes unjustly only because they said, our Lord is Allah. It further says, and if Allah did not repel some men by means of others, there would surely have been pulled down cloisters and churches and synagogues and mosques wherein the name of Allah is oft commemorated. And Allah will surely help one who helps him. Allah is indeed powerful, mighty. In the two verses, there Allah the Almighty granted the Holy Prophet of Islam 
peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, permission to fight a defensive war. He also made it categorically clear that permission was granted because the aggressors sought to eradicate religious freedom from the world, where warfare was, was not permitted to protect only Muslims and their mosques or to further the cause of Islam. Rather, the Quran explicitly states that if a forceful response to the injustices perpetrated against the Muslims was not forthcoming, uh, no church, synagogue, temple, mosque, or any other place of worship would remain safe. Thus, the Holy Quran is the only divine scripture that only grants absolute religious freedom to the people of all religions and beliefs, but goes further by instructing Muslims and those who enter mosques to protect the religious rights of non-Muslims. It is that heavenly scripture which is the protector and defender of all religions, uh, religions, faiths, and beliefs. It is these pure and all-embracing Islamic teachings that we strive to propagate to all parts of the world. In terms of this mosque, <coughs> you may wonder why we have chosen to build a mosque in Zion. Obviously, the main purpose is the same as I have mentioned earlier. Secondly, those well acquainted with the history of this city will likely to be aware that the person who founded Zion was a Christian evangelist, Mr. Alexander Dowie, who claimed to have been sent by God from this city of Zion. Mr. Dawi expressed great hostility towards Islam and hatred for Muslims, which eventually came to the attention of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And he responded directly to Mr. Dawi. Some of you may query why the Prophet Messiah used firm language whilst addressing Mr. Dawi and questioned how this scared with his claim of preaching love and compassion. However, there is absolutely no contradiction between the peaceful teachings of Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, and his response to Mr. Dawi. The Prophet Messiah never once called for any form of violent or extreme reaction. Indeed, when he first became aware of Mr. Dawi's venomous pronouncement against Islam and its founder, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. <coughs> the Prophet Messiah sought to reason with him respectfully and to persuade him to show restraint and to respect the sentiments of Muslims. Conversely, it was Mr. Dawi who sought confrontation 
with Islam and was explicit in this desire. For example, Mr. Dovey wrote, I pray to God that Islam should soon disappear from the face of the earth. O oh God, accept my prayer. O oh God, destroy Islam. Furthermore, in his writings, Mr. Dovey spoke with relish at the prospect of what he described as a great war between Christianity and Islam. He wrote that if Muslims did not embrace Christianity, they would meet with death and destruction. In response to such extreme rhetoric and vitriol, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, peace be upon him, sought to ensure that thousands or even millions of innocent people were not harmed, which would have been the case if Mr. Dovey's desire for religious wars between Christians and Muslims was realized. Accordingly, he challenged Mr. Dovey to a prayer duel. He said that rather than call for death of destruction or destruction of all Muslims, he and Mr. Dovey should both engage in solemn prayers and pray to God that which, whichever of them was a liar should die during the life of the other party. This was actually an act of compassion and a means to diffuse the situation. Rather than risk an all-out confrontation between Muslims and Christians, the prominent Messiah, peace be upon him, asserted that he and Mr. Doyle should resort, resort, resort to prayer and leave the matter in the hands of God Almighty. It was a fair and peaceful means to determine the truth. It is no exaggeration to state that it was a magnificent example of restraint in the face of immense provocation and hostility. Upon receiving the challenge, Mr. Dawi responded by describing the Prime Messiah in the most offensive of terms. It is recorded, that Mr. Dawi said, in India, there's a Mohammedan Messiah who keeps on writing to me. Do you think that I should answer such nights and flies? If I were to put my foot on them, I would crush them to death. The Prophet Messiah reiterated his challenge and it received widespread publicity. In the United States and elsewhere, journalists reported on Mr. Doyle's towering status in his community, his wealth and power, and compared it unfavorably with the prominent Messiah, Titi upon him, who they noted was from a distant and remote village in India, and whose wealth and worldly power were no match for Mr. Dowie. Furthermore, in purely physical terms, Mr. Dowie was younger and in better health than the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him. Yet, despite the discrepancy in material, term, in material terms, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community never hesitated, never took a, a backward step, or considered withdrawing his challenge. And against all worldly odds, the result soon became apparent in his favor.
In quick succession, Dowie lost his supporter, wealth, and physical and mental faculties. He ultimately suffered what the U.S. media described as a pathetic end. Indeed, the U.S. media of the time deserves credit because their journalists reported honestly on the outcome. For example, a famous Boston Herald headlines declared that great is Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the Messiah. In short, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community never sought to assert his views or values upon anyone forcefully, nor did ever consider responding to the hatred of Mr. Dawi or other opponents of Islam with physical force or might. For, for Ahmadi Muslims, this incident serves as a sign of the truth of our founder. And so, in this respect, the city of Zion holds a significant place in our history. Due to the limits of time, I cannot go into further detail. However, a special exhibition about the prayer duel has been set up at this mosque. And so, if you wish to learn more, you can visit before you leave, or you might have visited it already. In conclusion, today, the followers of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, the guided one, offer thanks to Allah the Almighty that we are inaugurating the Fateh Azim Mosque, the mosque of the Grand Victory in Zion as a symbol of true religious freedom. Its doors open with an enlightened message pronouncing that the religious rights and peaceful beliefs of all people and communities are to be forever protected and cherished. It is the paramount objective of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community to direct mankind to the path of spiritual salvation and to ensure that all people, irrespective of their caste, creed, or color, live together with the spirit of goodwill and harmony and in true peace and security. From the depth of my heart, I pray that this mosque will, God willing, always serve as a beacon of peace, tolerance, and love for all mankind. I pray it proves to be a place where people congregate in all humility to recognize their creator, to bow before him, and to fulfill the rights of mankind. For we earnestly believe that we can only be successful and prosperous if we fulfill the rights of worship of God Almighty and the rights of humanity. With these words, I wish to once again thank you all for joining us this evening. May Allah Almighty bless you all. Amen. Thank you very much. I also thank the mayor and the other Raja Sahib. I don't remember the name, otherwise you will say I did not pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> For, uh, to the mayor for giving me the key of this town and I'm sure that uh, now the key of this town is in the safe hands. <laughs> Thank you very much.
Hazur, we ask that you lead us in silent prayers. Yes, you can also announce that uh, this is our tradition that we offer prayer, a silent prayer, at the end of our function. And uh, Ahmadis will follow me, and those who want to join me, yes, they can. Otherwise, they can pray in their own way. Yes, silent prayer. Amen. <laughs> 